0: Welcome to the Human Design Collective Podcast, where we explore this system as a unique map of our potential, from the mundane to the mystical. If you're looking to dive deeper into human design, we invite you to our Living Your Design Workshop. You can start the course at any time and participate in live meetings with John Cole and Amy Lee. The next foundation course, the Rave ABCs, explores the dynamics of the body and the personality, the circuitry of the body graph, and the structure behind the hexagrams of the I Ching. It is the beginning of truly seeing the mechanics of the Maya, the energetic interactions that shape our experience. Our next Rave ABC live online nine-week course begins January 13th, 2021. For more information on courses, go to courses.humandesigncollective.com. Peter Burv is a true life explorer who has lived as a monk, studied multiple shamanic and healing practices, and learned lessons through marriage, parenting, divorce, finding love again, work, responsibility, and all the highs and lows that bring us growth on a soul level. A near-death experience in his early adulthood altered the course of his life and greatly opened up his intuition and awareness. Today, he shares his experiences as a healer, guide, musician, and human design analyst and teacher, and how they have all led him to a life he truly loves. We hope you enjoy his warmth, wisdom, and generosity as much as we did.
1: Thanks for joining us today, Peter. It's great to have you here. We usually like to start with just a bit of an introduction in terms of how you met human design or how it came into your life and what your story is.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, anyway, thanks for inviting me. I'm really honored to be here and like you were just saying and kind of in the hot seat with with two projectors. I've just really been loving my projector friends and family, really loving their guidance. So, this is this is fun. But yeah, I came into human design around 2010. I was in my first marriage. Around the end of my first marriage, things weren't really going so great and one day she came home and, and brought me these charts that she had found, you know, some human design charts. And I kind of rolled my eyes and I, I said, well, what is this? Who threw all this together to, to make a few bucks and, you know, the deal. Eventually, you know, she got a reading and and then convinced me to go get a reading. So when I went to go get my reading with an analyst who had actually been very close to Ra and had traveled with Ra for many years and was deep in into it, I didn't leave his house for about 5 hours. We ended up creating a really close friendship over the years and and he's been my mentor ever since. Yeah, I was blown away right off the bat. I just couldn't believe how a foundation reading could name so many things in detail about me. You know, like we've all experienced in a foundation reading, just how did you know that about me? So, it's, it's probably not unlike a lot of other stories. But then um, you know, we continued to do almost like some couples counseling with that analyst, and it actually helped us, you know, dissolve that relationship in a harmonious way. And I'm really grateful for that, that uh, we were able to take the the blame and shame off that potentially very, well, you know, it's never, never a fun experience, but but it made it as graceful as possible during that time. And so that was that. And then I just kind of kept going full speed ahead with, you know, meeting with my mentor regularly and then taking all the foundational classes and, and, and going through the professional training. Sounds like it was a real three, five process, very experiential and
1: practical immediate when you encountered the knowledge that it was immediately applicable
2: to what was going on in your life. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've had a pretty messy life, getting banged up in lots of different ways, and and uh, lots of trial and error. So this definitely gave me some some solace and understanding to be at peace with that trial and error process.
1: And that experience that you mentioned, where you the first impression of the system of you know having these different pieces, astrology, you know the the centers, the chakras, center. the, the I Ching, all thrown together. And looking at it and going like, "What in the world is this? Right? Who did this? Or how could this even work?" I had a very similar impression when I first saw it, and so it's interesting mm-hmm. when you say that. How could yeah. this even work?
2: Yeah, I think you had that on your on your bio on your on your page on your website that you mentioned that. Yeah, I was at a point in my life where I was kind of skeptical and and felt like it was good to have some healthy skepticism about lots of things and. I just been kind of kicked out of an ashram a few years before, and just you know had all these spiritual experiences that sort of ended in a in a weird way. So I had a, a good dose of healthy skepticism about these kind of things, and you know where people try to get uh, power and, and fame and, and money from from all these things. I, I've had a, a vigilant eye towards these kind of things, and even for myself, just the mind is really tricky. How it creeps in and and um takes over yeah seems like a good way
1: to enter into it with that like you said healthy skepticism and then going into a verification process in your own experience like does this actually help does this work you you had mentioned that you were in a relationship and you ended up getting a partnership reading and that helped facilitate a more aligned or correct separation
2: yeah. I mean, I, I was, the person I was with was a manifester and I'm a generator. So yeah, when you find out, oh my God, I'm, I'm living with a different species, you know, it's, it's enlightening and and no wonder we think differently. We act differently. We feel differently and operate differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so since then I've, I've really found that um, working with people who are also skeptical, you know, those are some of my favorite clients to work with. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, I get why you have you're skeptical towards that or why you're, you want to, we all want to be safe. We want to feel safe with what we're heading into. And, and honestly, my, my wife now is, you know, she was like that too. You know, she's a science person, you know, she's very, she's a cross of service. She's super logical. I've converted her, (laughs) you know, she's validated through her own experience all these things. And it's been beautiful to witness too. And so, yeah, I like to, I like to work with people who want to see, you know, this isn't a belief system. This is a self-validating system that you have to try out for yourself. So
1: you're doing uh, foundation readings and analyst work and meeting with people of all the people that you work with, how many are just coming into human design for the first time? They're heard about it and now they're showing up and they want you to give them a foundation reading. They don't really know anything about the system. Do you get a lot of clients like that?
2: Yeah. Uh, most people I'd say are within max their first two years of looking into things. Some people just heard about it last month and are you know kind of like myself. I came in knowing zero. I honestly thought like that was the best place to come into it. There's, there's that. There's people who've been trying to do a lot of their own research over the, you know, first year or so, and then finally just hit that wall and just say, you know, look, I, it's not just book knowledge. I need a, a guide to put all this together. So yeah, usually people are within their first year of, of uh, looking into things. They're open, they're interested, but they've still got to
1: see it for themselves or go through their own process.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you do your own research and you're just taking the little bits and pieces of this and that, it doesn't really give you a sense of the synthesis, the the quantum, where the chart comes alive and you see all the possible dilemmas, the this and the that, where it can seem like a contradiction in our personality and design. The grass is greener effect. We all have dilemmas. So to point out those dilemmas is really where the magic lies for me, you know, to 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 point out the quantum to find it and to to for it to come alive for me and to sit down with someone and, and point it out to them is is magical, really, you know?
0: Yeah, I find that too. And sometimes even just looking at a chart for the first time, it does have a flatness to it. And I often find once I start to get into it, the whole thing does start to come to life. And I think you're mentioning a great point about how you can kind of piecemeal a lot of the flat information together. And then at some point, to actually meet with someone or interact with someone who has, who's able to have a really holistic view of it and sense of it makes a difference. And it sounds like you were lucky to find a guide right away that was really resonant with you and mm-hmm. able to go deep with you right mm-hmm. from the start. Were there things from that first reading? I mean, you, sound, you had a, a long first meeting. Were there particular things that you remember from that that were especially impactful for you? Things that were said to you or, or things that um, were recognized in you?
2: Just off the top of my head, what comes to me is that uh, I was born in, when the sun was in the 59th gate, you know, gate of intimacy. And I had spent several years in my 20s as a celibate monk, actually. And wow. so, uh, you know, talk about the this and the that. I was definitely on the that side of things. I guess my whole personal story with that, why I chose that path and and now coming to the, the other side of that, embracing that I really am a being of intimacy in all its forms. You know, I'm able to go, go deep in so many ways and how I, I wouldn't say that I shut it off, but I think that reading with the analyst going, look, you've got this, the 59s like this little erection sticking out off <laughs> the sacral center. You know, that's you, man. You've got to, you've got to, you know, embrace that side of yourself. Just the validation and, and coming to accept, I think that was one of the, the main things I can remember that, that jumped out at me. And
0: then as you started to work with it and go deeper with it for yourself, are there parts of, of the deconditioning process that really were confronting for you or especially intense?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's still going on. its I personally think just the work with the open centers is the most rewarding and profound work. The openness is where we're here to learn wisdom. People bypass that pretty quickly a lot of times and wisdom goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And so, you know, having an open heart center and an open solar plexus, those are in the conditioning hierarchy. Those are the two deepest. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm no exception. Those have been some of my deepest places of learning wisdom and boundaries and healing in life, but really all the open centers, my intuitive voice would always say would tell me one thing, and I would override it a lot because of my own beliefs about being a man of integrity and wanting to always wanting to show up on time and you know keep my word and and stuff like that, and my spleen would be like, "Don't go there, cancel that appointment." when I realized that. Being in, in my integrity means following my design, even though they come from a good intention, you know what that means, but things really started to flow better. You know, if I showed up a half hour late to a meeting, the person would show up 31 minutes late and I would just be, I would just be in a state of acceptance and I realized, you know, this actually worked. But yeah, probably the open heart center is really, really does go the deepest, all this Trying to to be something in the world, trying to prove ourselves in the world, you know, trying to be an ego in the world. And um, I don't think it was even a few years into my experiment when I finally noticed that I'm the youngest of, of three boys, my two older brothers and my father, all have a defined ego. <laughs> and and so here I was going to business school and you know, trying to be more and better. And when I finally realized I have nothing to prove, you know, I've I'm really the happiest and most successful working by myself in a quiet room. You know, when I I have a massage practice and healing arts practice and yeah, it's not about more and better and bigger and whatever. It's about accepting ourselves as we are. So yeah, I mean, it it goes on and on. And
0: I like that you mentioning the open ego because I think a lot of the prominent human design characters out there and teachers and a lot of the, voices that are heard out there if you look at designs a lot of them have defined egos and most of the population doesn't so i i think it's a deep thing to look at and i have an open ego as well and it's it's a very visceral experience for me it's very yeah just a very felt experience so i'm
2: Mm.
0: I'm glad that you're bringing it up there are those moments connecting with something like that around this concept, you know, something that sounds so simple as saying you're under pressure to prove yourself is a really simple thing to say, but then to actually be living your life and noticing how often that pressure or that sense or that experience comes up and what that feels like and what it feels like to act from that versus acting from your your instincts or your intuition in your case. I'm wondering if you have a kind of visceral experience of that now or if it's something you just notice in your thoughts, how do you notice that open ego piece?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, the mantra, I have nothing to prove is what keeps me humble, is what keeps me grounded in that. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting being in a a position where you're kind of like a teacher or a guide and yet living our design being an effective teacher means being an example, you know, living, living it ourselves. I guess for me, trying to find that balance of, you know, I'm just a guy, I'm just a human, you know, I'm a dude. <laughs> and I guess also being a 3-5 too, you know, I, as well, I've just had to find that balance of keeping my crude humor to myself and learning how to be professional, but also not being something I'm not. You know, like I was saying earlier, like I've, I, I've just seen that in the spiritual realm. When just as soon as the ego kicks in, and there's just the the name, fame, power, glory, money, all that stuff, and agendas, and I'm really guarded against that. So I feel like I just try to find ways to keep myself humble, to stay honest, to find that balance of being a guide that genuinely wants to serve humanity and love love other people and share what I've been given and not let that turn into something else um, with an agenda or not try to prove something. We were recently speaking with Linda Bunnell on the podcast
1: and she was relaying a story about Ra in the early years and working with him and how much he emphasized humility in this work for analysts that she said he really was kind of banging on that drum for a while. Like don't let this get to your head. Don't think that you have special powers or you know that you're somehow above the people you're working with. And when I apply that personally, I feel like I'm just kind of reading a map half the time. I'm like a interpreter of some sort talking to someone on the other end who is actually at least in potential, you know, the expert on their life. They may be working through something or still putting the pieces together, but that's what I kind of keep in mind is like, Hey, we're doing this together. We're going through this together. Kind of a mutual process of discovery as we see what's really going on here. How do you approach that in a session when you're working with someone?
2: We're not therapists. <laughs> it can be really easy, you know, people want to start telling you their story and and open up and I'm just really clear on that, you know, I'm not I'm not like a therapist or I like to think of myself as everyone's brother, you know, and I think that's, you know, maybe that sounds kind of hippie or cliche in some ways, but, you know, thinking of myself that way and and genuinely feeling that way is, you know, I feel like that keeps me humble because I just want to share what I've been given really. There's a magic that happens in a reading for sure. I mean, I'm not afraid to be firm with people either and to share in a way that has an impact I think I'm clear on the relationship. I am just a guide. I mean, I just I just became a rave ABC teacher and just went through the the rave ABC teacher training with Linda. Actually, got to listen to a lot of the talks from Raw about that, and 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 I so I got to hear a lot of those talks of him saying those things you were just explaining, and it's really really good advice, really good guidance from him. That yeah, don't be attached to the outcomes, and it makes a lot of sense because when I put myself back in the beginning of my experiment, there was just lots of things I couldn't hear at the time. You know, we all know what that's like. It's two, three years later, you're going, Oh, that's what they were talking about. And we can't control the timing and the way that that happens. It's just about transmitting the mechanical knowledge and finding a way to put the the magic and the juice and the, and the life into it, not taking credit for it or, or any of that. I'm, I'm not even. I'm not really into that.
0: I think Ra did that so well in a way that a lot of other kinds of teachings don't always do. But to me, could always feel the firmness in him around. Can give you these mechanics. I can give you what I can, and you're responsible for your own life, and you're capable of being responsible for your own life. So mm-hmm. this information to me seems like a validation of that, which creates a certain safety and autonomy and humility in all of it.
2: Yeah, it's it's a logical system with self-revealing mechanics. You know, it's it's really easy for people to want to project their spiritualistic, culty, religious kind of stuff onto it. And I'm at the point in my life too where uh, you know I'm a second color motivation, and so that the trajectory there is you know theist to anti-theist, and and so I've come from a lot of that. I've traveled the world and, and checked out all that's out there, all the sampled, all the flavors. It's just all coming from within out in that anti-theist kind of phase. So I kind of have an aversion towards spiritualizing things and, you know, a hierarchy on things and, and all that. So
1: you mentioned the magic that happens in a session a couple times. And I'm, I'm curious what that is like for you or how you experience that or see that.
2: Yeah. What's been really alive for me lately is that this is a no fault system. People are really hard on themselves. As I do so many readings, I just see, you know, what I've heard Ra talk about this greatest disease of humanity is this self hatred. It's so true. It's just, we're all so hard on ourselves. And we've turned things into problems that don't have to be problems. I think that is what really excites me and really makes this work passionate is that I want to show you that all these things that you were so convinced were real and were so convinced were a problem that you had to fix are actually part of your true nature and are actually something that you can come to accept and use as part of your awakening process. That's what lights me up is to go, oh yeah, I hear the, the words you're using. I hear the stories you're telling me about the hard things you've been through and the situations you've you've got yourself into and and knowing how the open centers can not just the openness it's just how the conditioning you know how the mind can play things out yeah just to show them that and it's exhilarating to say look I, I understand what you're going through and and here's your open heart center and here's your defined solar plexus and here's this open root you just have been jumping into things to try to prove something or whatever you know just very simple keynoting there but when you can point something out like that and bring it alive and then people are going, oh my God, and the tears start rolling down their cheeks and, and, and realizing that all oh, this weight they've been putting on themselves for so long is just, they can start a new way and start a new way of looking at themselves and loving and accepting themselves and eventually having this, this feeling of awakening as yourself. And it's, it's hard to explain that, but it's just, it, it all comes from just deep acceptance you know, when we talk about the, the quantum, it's kind of like there is a magic there, this biverse. We live in a world of duality. The mind wants to polarize everything, but through the acceptance, it all becomes one. A colleague of mine gave me this phrase that I really like to use called the heart of the paradox. Because we do have all these places in us that seem polarized. And we can find the center. We can find the, the heart of that paradox of those things that seem opposed and awaken and find the true love and self ex- self love and self acceptance and all that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been on a healing path myself for a long time. So I think this is what, what guides me a lot is I've gone through a lot of hard things and I've gone through a lot of them on my own and had to figure out a lot of stuff on my own without any guidance. So I think what gives me some kind of purpose is I can be a guiding friend, you know, in the, on this journey and just say, I know it's hard. I know what you've been going through. I, you're not alone. And this is why the information I wish I had when I was a child or a teenager, or in my young 20s or whatever, to have had someone say, it's okay. And, and, and we can expedite this healing process. And these things that seem like problems really are not problems.
1: And you work with some other healing or transformative modalities, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been experimenting with lots of different kinds of healing modalities over the years. Started off as a body worker and herbalist, and part of my journey has taken me into the plant medicine world. And I've I've found that working with with some of the um, the master plant teachers has has become a, a pillar for myself on my path of awakening and my journey and similarly helping other people with human design and some plant medicine work. When I work with clients, I kind of give them the, the body, mind, spirit package, depending on which, how deep and what direction and what they need in their life. So I've been doing body work for 23 years profound way to work with people because we hold a lot of stuff in our bodies. We hold a lot of trauma in our bodies. And so, you know, it's massage. That's just kind of a good little undercover way of doing cellular transformative work. I work with a lot of people who have a lot of auto injuries and insurance clients and stuff, but you know, a lot of people come do a lot of deep healing and, and, uh, transform trauma that we hold in our bodies that we can't always release with our mind. So there's, there's the body side of it, the physical side, and then human design obviously works with the mind through the mind to transcend the mind. And then the plant medicine work is definitely works with the spirit, you know, cellular encompasses all of it. But if I had to categorize it, that's kind of how I like to say it. So yeah, several different plant medicines that I, I work with people and, primarily ayahuasca has been a big part of, part of my path and, and has been a wonderful pillar to work alongside with human design. So with the plant medicine work, it's just, there's no question. It's just brings it all alive. And for me personally, I've learned a lot about human design. You know, it's not like I can structure it into a systematic way. One journey will give me this whole teaching about the magnetic monopole and one journey will teach give me this whole teaching about the solar plexus and another journey will give me this whole teaching about my variable or something like that and so it really solidifies the human design practice and work deeper into the nervous system and so I feel like they really go together because there's obviously um a resurgence of the whole psychedelic movement going on right now but what i've witnessed is that you can still be focusing on trying to fix problems that aren't problems you can still be trying to heal things that are part of your fixed design or just your openness you're never going to get to the bottom of that black hole of your open heart center it just comes down to the acceptance so the awareness of that and seeing those things come alive with the plant medicine work is very profound and Similarly, I, I just want to share that with other people. The full package that I like to offer is when people, at least when they live close by, is to do the, the body, mind, spirit package. And I've had a few mentees that I've worked with over the last few years, and it's just been wonderful to witness their transformations in their own way, starting with the, the foundation reading and doing the living your design program, and then doing some you know, monthly mentoring and then some occasional plant medicine work. Has just been so rewarding to, to just go, yeah, isn't this awesome that we can see all these things together and experience these things together and have, this awakening this way. So, yeah, those have been kind of the two pillars on my path. And when I was younger, I was a lot more into, like more New Agey kind of stuff. I was really into these, like uh, ascension teachings. And yogic siddha teachings were really interested me in my late teens and, and 20s. And that was a lot of what guided me to be like a monk and and to just go really deep into that. I was basically celibate and, and sober th- for most of my 20s. so it was just really deep in my yogic path. And, and so, I don't know, I feel like that gave me a, a really good foundation. You know, I'm not so much into like the ascension new age stuff as I used to be and even question some of it you know, even from just what human design has showed me. But ultimately, whether that stuff is true or not, it's kept my awareness to be vigilant and focused on just staying clear. And just to say that that, that's kind of been woven into my practice, especially with the medicine work. When I guide people on journeys, I just keep a really, let's just say, high vibration. (laughs) I
1: can see that with the work that you've done personally, and the, just the attunement that you have on the, with these different modalities and systems, as you describe it, your body, mind, spirit package sounds like a, quite a combo for transformative work. I mean, if you can take someone through that process, it's really going to cover a lot of ground or hit a lot of points or bases. You know, I wanted to kind of go back a little bit and look at the relationship between human design and what happens in the plant medicine space. What's coming up for me is one of the things we get with human design is we get a pretty comprehensive map that can be used as a reference point as you're working through those spaces, which can be kind of hard to navigate. If you're working with ayahuasca, for example, all sorts of things are going to come up, or going to be going on in the room or in your life with others. And powerful as that work can be, it can be a little disorienting. And you see that type of relationship where you have these points of reference in human design that can then inform the experience in the plant medicine space.
2: Yeah. A lot of it just comes down to knowing my design. So it's going to be different for each person. Like I said, it's not like I can package this and give it um, specific labels. It's more just about, Oh, like for instance, understanding that I have an open solar plexus, you know, I'll go in the room. I'll start feeling in, in a ceremonial space start feeling nauseous because I start feeling everyone's stuff. And then I leave the room and I'm like, oh, I can breathe again. And then I go back in. And I'm like, oh, there it is again. If I didn't know that, it might be a little confusing. Yeah, Understanding that I'm single definition. I do a lot of my best work alone. I have to take time to do my own work and usually just by myself. Like I said, I guess it comes down to just knowing yourself. (laughs) And maybe maybe that's a very generator thing to say. That's where the acceptance and the transcendence comes in. Another really big correlation that I've found these two pillars have helped me with are, I guess, what I would call surrendering process. I feel like human design teaches us to surrender. And, and that word can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, have a lot of different connotations. But what I mean by that, when our minds get out of the way, we attract all the right things. Naturally, our imprint, our magnetic monopole brings all the right things to us. You know, it's not a mental thing. It, it's anything but that. It's getting out of the way. And this deep trust in life, that life will bring all the right things to us. That's huge. I really try to impart that to people, especially when I give readings, that this is no easy shift to move from trying to control things with our mind, you know, being initiators. It's just what we're taught. It's not about being control freaks necessarily. It's just the way we're taught to be. And similarly with the, the medicine work, you know, I feel this path of surrender has taught me a lot. And in that context, it, it's same, but different in the sense that, yeah, when you're going through a hard time on the medicine, uh, a lot of the entheogens, you know, have this element to it. You have to go through a, some trials and that's where we grow. That's where we go. That's where we, we go. And that's where we grow <laughs> is through those trials. Um, that's a big element of a lot of these master plant teachers. And it's through those trials that we have to, to let go. It's, it's mental, you have to let go with the mind, but it's, it's like a full body just surrendering to, to life and trusting life and trusting that you might die. And that's kind of what happens is you go through a rebirth with a lot of those things. That does something to your nervous system. It does something to your, your whole way of being. And it's not something I really say lightly. I mean, this getting this way of being of surrender into our life, passenger consciousness. We're on. You got a picture of a bus above your head. So, right as I said that, I saw this vehicle um, on this live video here. You know, surrendering to passenger consciousness is no easy task. There's fears. We're not going to be able to pay the bills. We're not going to be able to make it. We're not going to put food on the table, or or make our dreams come true, or accomplish anything in life, or whatever it might be. And and what I found through that process with human design and the plant medicine is that not only does everything come, but your greatest dreams will fall into your lap if you just let it. And so I can say right now that I live the life I love and I love the life I live and I didn't do anything to get here. All of these things just came to me. My wife and all the work opportunities and recognition or or this and that, or they all just showed up one day. And that's because I just followed my strategy and authority and practiced waiting and practiced being and surrendered to the timing of life and the way of life. I can
1: see how powerful that is the way you're describing it. That process of letting go, surrendering, or just trusting in in life to provide is on one hand, it, it feels like a major leap for us, or it can feel like that of just of letting go and trusting and then dealing with everything that comes up in the process, the fears, are, am I going to be homeless? Am I going to be on the streets? Like, how bad could it get? And yet, like you're saying, the other side of it is how good could it get? You know, it's like, why, why do we focus on the, on just the bad? We could let go, trust and surrender, and maybe be surprised by what life actually does have in store for us. Mm-hmm.
2: Funny thing. It's- it's very vulnerable but i can tell you story after story about how at the eleventh hour the money came through the connection happened the things worked out for the best now i really play with it like even in my um my bodywork practice you know maybe i'll have something come up on a personal my personal life and i might have to cancel an appointment but i go you know let me just wait until maybe the day before to cancel that appointment and never fail almost every time that person calls oh my gosh I'm so sorry something's come up for me I can't make that appointment can I pay you the cancellation fee you know I'm like yeah sure you can pay me Um, that'd be great you know I'm sorry can't make it and I'm like perfect now I don't have to look like the one who's being a flake or whatever so maybe that was a little harsh but you know what I mean now it's not on me the professional that's Canceling on my client. I mean, that kind of thing happens all the time. I don't do anything. I just let it all unfold. So it's fun to witness, you know, and it's very vulnerable at first. This is why it's an experiment. You know, let's see what happens. I'm going to trust until the last minute and and see what shows up. And 99% of the time, it does.
0: There's a certain kind of quality that I keep feeling as you've been talking that in a way feels like relief the recognition and the letting go that you're talking about, even though at first there can be this anxiety or nervousness, like, but if I let go, things are going to be okay. But how's it going to turn out? But can you promise me I'm going to be safe, but what's it going to look like? Or I think I might have to keep fighting for my whole life to keep proving that I have the right to exist or that I'm being productive enough or that I'm being good. But what's coming across to me from you is that with this kind of a recognition, there can be this sense of just, oh, it's okay. Just let go. There actually isn't a problem. And it's it's gonna be all right. And I can feel it and I've seen it as well. And I, I can sense it with you that just the relief that can come from that is so profound. I think in part because there's actually something inside of us that knows that we're not gonna win the fight against our own nature. Or if we do, it's going to be really painful and hard the whole way. And I think part of the relief people feel sometimes is the recognition of like, oh, you mean I can just let this go? <laughs> you mean like, you mean I don't, I don't have to deal with it at all? Really? And that to me feels like a process. It's almost like we keep seeing it at turn after turn. And then over time... I feel like that's the trust that Ra was talking about that builds in ourselves, in our own authority, in, in life, in our bodies, in the natural intelligence that we have. And the other side of it is such a relief. It's such a relief.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much for pointing that out because, you know, that, that leads me to, to share that we are built to be in the illusion of separateness, but we're not. We're all part of this program. We're all part of this unified field and human design validates that. I mean, even coming down to the most simple view of looking at our charts, personality and design come from all the way from, they're the same crystals from the big bang, still expanding, but suddenly frozen in time. And these imprints that we are, we are literally part of that expanding creation you know, that might sound a little bit esoteric and all that. And, but it's true. It's like even that story about my spleen and wanting to be on time and keeping my commitment and stuff like that. If my spleen is telling me, don't worry about it. Well, it wouldn't be, it would be more like cancel that plans or, or, or whatever it's telling me to stay safe and healthy. It's not just me. You know, there's this fear that, I'm going to be disappointing someone. I'm failing. I'm fucking up or whatever it is. And there's a problem with me or whatever. It's more like, okay, there's this whole matrix. There's this whole unified field. And it's going, hey, that other person's not going to make it on time. or that other person's actually sick. So you might want to cancel your plans. You know, obviously it doesn't come across in those words. But ultimately, I think that's kind of what that interconnectedness is. We can't understand these things with our mind. Because there's, there's so many things going on that we may never know, but it probably has to do with that, you know, that unified field, but even deeper, that point that you made, Amy, that ultimately life loves us. Life wants the best for us. I think when you talk about that relief, I think that's what that comes down to for me is that, you know, there's a mechanical element to everything and it's hard to talk about love and all these things. Ultimately, I feel that life loves us. is looking out for our best interest. And, and so when we surrender, things kind of do fall into place for the best. So trusting that. So, you know, in the beginning of someone's experiment, you know, and we, there's all these fears that things won't work out and we won't be able to pay the bills and all this stuff. I think what I like to, to share with people, you know, when we talk about waiting. Everyone has to wait in one way or another, no matter what your type or strategy is or authority, you know, everyone's got to wait somehow. For me, that waiting is not just like, oh shit, is this going to work out? But more like what's coming, you know, you know, when's it going to come? How's it going to come? How's it going to look? You know, almost like this trust and eagerness that life will bring, bring the best things for us, even if it's hard. And so- not, not to get too cheesy with any of this stuff, but it's, you know, ultimately I think when I really sit with that, that's true. That's what my experience has been.
0: Yeah. You know, we talk about the, the concept of passenger consciousness or the experience of that, of actually learning to allow the mind to watch life unfolding or that there's a process of waiting that's natural. And sometimes when we first hear that there can be the sense of, oh, you mean I have to wait? Well, it, there's almost like a resignation or an irritation, like, oh, fine, I can't do anything. I just have to sit here and be passive. Oh, look, things are just going to be happen to me or be done to me. But again, it feels like it's over time, it comes back to this other way that Ra described it, which was about being the enthralled audience, like oh. allowing yourself to be the enthralled audience at the movie theater, <laughs> like you're, you're watching the theater of life play out. And it's actually a relief that you don't have to cast and direct and write and script and fill the whole thing. It's, it's already all there. The flip side of not getting to be in control or having to wait is that you get to be entertained by it all. You actually get to be the enthralled audience of so a thing that that's been put on for you. It's a gift. It's like you don't have to create your life; it's already been given to you. You could actually just receive it. It doesn't mean that you're passive. It doesn't mean that you're not part of it. You're a very engaged part of it. Mm. But you don't have to orchestrate the whole thing. And isn't that a relief?
2: Yeah, yeah. I've never heard that enthralled audience. Of course, you know, watching the movie, and but I like that a lot. Yeah, that's how it feels. You know, so much of, uh, or just another way to kind of like label these things is. Our relationship to the timing of life. Life has its own timing. And I, I feel like that's such a big, a big piece of the waiting or the not waiting. We want things to happen yesterday. In my bodywork practice, someone has gotten to a car accident. They want to be better in three weeks and back to their normal life. And I'm like. Six months or more, man, you know, it's, it's, this isn't a process. You can rush your body, your vehicle has its own programming, its own timing. Your mind wants it to happen yesterday, but it doesn't work that way. And so it's the same with all the other things in your life. It's, it'll come and it'll probably surprise you when it shows up, you know, and maybe a little way that you weren't expecting it.
1: Yeah. I like the way you describe that the body having its own timing and the body tends to exist in the now and it takes as long as it takes life exists in the now and takes as long as it takes. But it's usually the mind that I think you're pointing to, which which is like, in the past, in the future, it's not necessarily grounded in in the now, you know, and, and that's part of the gift of the mind is it can go all over the place, and it can project out and look back. But like you're saying, things do take the time that they take. And we're constantly questioning that or trying to manipulate that or change that on some level.
2: Or fixated on the now. I mean, we've had this transit for what six months or more, no, or a year or more uh, with a 6124 channel of awareness. And I've just, that's been a major background theme. Everyone wants the answers now. You know, they're just fixated on getting their ideas out and making everyone recognize their ideas and whatever. Was, you know, anyway, same idea, just in a <laughs> different way. Past, present, and future, you know, if it's, but if it's all the not self, the mind, yeah. It's, it's trying to control it.
1: I saw recently that you posted something on Facebook about getting struck by lightning, and I was wondering if you would share that with us here. I mean, that sounds like an incredible story, and that's one of those things that's basically a cliche or something that most people hmm. will never experience. And and
2: you did. Um, you, you haven't been hit by lightning? No, no. Oh, not- I thought this was <laughs> like a daily thing for most people. <laughs> It is a cliche in a way. I mean, a metaphor for wake the fuck up. <laughs> Even after that, six weeks after that experience, I had a slow bleed in my head because I fell and I, I hit the concrete. And then I had to have a head surgery six weeks later. So I had to get it through my thick skull and I had to get So um, You had
0: all the metaphors. I had all the metaphors for...
2: Yeah. Wake up, dude. You're, you know, you've got to see something here. And um, I'm actually sitting down and after 20 years, this is, this happened 20 years ago. I was 23 years old. Um, I'm finally sitting down and and writing the story out and, and, and the journey for me, because it's been a journey, you know, it wasn't just that experience. Thinking about it today in the context of human design, I can relate to Ra's experience because the first thing that the voice told him the encounter, if I remember correctly, was, are you ready to work dog? (laughs) And when I had this lightning experience, I had a near death experience. I was actually, I actually left my body went to the other side as they call it and got to have an experience there. And it wasn't a very long or, as far as other near-death experiences go that I read about, it wasn't, I didn't go on some crazy journey through through creation or anything, but I, I call the place that I went to the waiting room because when I got hit, my nervous system was just so fried. Nothing was firing correctly. And, and so I think I just had to leave my body for that to recalibrate. And I, I went to this place of, of uh, divine love and this ocean of love and total oneness. And, and um, that really imprinted me. There in that place, and and after kind of waiting there and, and enjoying the oneness of creation for a little bit, two presences came to me and told me um, it was time to go back to my body, and then I had work to do. And I told them I didn't want to go back, and they said, "Once again, you have work to do." It kind of felt like they turned me around and showed me the door and kicked me out. And then I um, descended back through these realms and. I felt myself being compressed back into this imprint, into this form. I'm actually kind of curious about what happens with these near-death experiences with our personality and design crystal. I mean, I almost feel like my personality crystal dislodged and kind of went out. So I don't know, it'd be an interesting uh, discussion to open up at one point. I felt it coming back into this specific imprint and then waking up in my body and that was li- obviously life changing and, and peak experience of my life and solidified into my awareness, you know, kind of like what we were talking about, just that I really f- saw that there it is all love behind the scenes. This is all a place that we've come to learn something, and it's not necessarily easy. This realm, this plane is not meant to be a place of, it's not a heavenly realm here, it's a classroom. Trying to seek bliss and and leave our body is not the point of this existence. You know, human design, helping us understand our purpose and direction in life is such a gift, such a gift that we have, we've been given the tool to, on that, in this classroom. Like I said, it's been a process. Can relate to what Roth felt. I mean, I think he went, he was a little crazy for a year. He lived in a tree for a year after that. John, you were talking about the disorienting nature of seeing the truth of things behind the scenes. You can feel a little crazy at some point or ungrounded or just not know how it fits into this world of illusion and this Maya and not self-homogenized killer monkey world out there can be hard, but it's been a process of integration for over that time. And what does that mean when reality gets ripped open before you and Basically, these angels tell you that you have work to do. It's it's heavy. It's, it's actually pretty heavy. Yeah. And 20 years later, for some reason, it just I posted that a few days ago because I'm in a good place with it, and I feel like I've worked through the the heaviness of it, and I've embraced the mission I feel like I've been given. And and like I said, I do all the things I love, and I love all the things I do, and and all of those things help other people to live their authentic life and to make some sense out of this crazy plane that we're, we're on here. So yeah, I've just been kind of taking time to honor that and to honor the gifts that I've been given in that way. And, and feel like it's in some ways, it made my life harder at first because it's, it's like, okay, now I'm supposed to be here and be in this, be in this illusion. There I was, I'm 23 years old and my whole life ahead of me. And now I feel like I've been able to embrace those things we've talked about that God is love. Life loves us when we can surrender to things in, in the correct mechanical way of our true nature, we can really enjoy the movie.
1: It's just hard to kind of wrap my head around that experience. I mean, it sounds like a, a psychedelic experience of the highest order, you know, <laughs> like getting, getting hit by lightning, you know, but the way you describe it, it brings up, interestingly, it brings up experiences I've had with other things, 5 MEO as an example, or mm. finding yourself in that type of space you know, what's, I guess, uh, really unique about it, the way you share it is that coming back in, like not wanting to come back in, but knowing that you have work to do, and that it's maybe not not a choice, even. It's your time when it's your time, and it's not your time when it's not your time. And there it is. I kind of have to ask, you know, you, you're cross of the sleeping phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And do you see a uh, a connection there, a relationship in terms of that waking up and having to almost die in order to be reborn or for something new to come into the world? Or how do you hold that?
2: Well, yeah, I guess I guess I am that. You know, the sleeping phoenix is very much about self-empowerment. Part of the four arms of that cross involve the the 34 and the 20, and that so that naturally makes a manifesting generator. And the 3420 is, a, is an integration channel, which is all about you know, self-empowerment. I just feel like I've lived that. And so when I say I am that, I feel like I've really lived that in my life. I just, at, at any cost, I've really kind of just followed my heart, kind of just did what felt good to me. You know, I've, I've got the full experience, you know, eventually marriage and divorce and children and a lot of the practical side of life. I've got two kids that path of of self-empowerment has, yeah, that, that has been my path of awakening. I've just been really, really deeply committed to that. But since a young age, it's just been really strong in me to basically explore a shamanic path, you know, probably starting at 14, 15, 16 years old. These things started happening to me and coming to me and kind of a lot of mystical experiences just happened to me. So, you know, as we move into the cross of the sleeping phoenix and it feels like, you know, all that's been going on in the last year, feeling like a nice (laughs) trailer to the movie coming. I really just mechanically just resonate with what's going on. A lot of what I feel like the last year, COVID times have been, I think, really teaching people to reevaluate what's important in their life. 9-11 happened, Y2K, a lot of these things help people reevaluate, you know, what's really important to me. Am I just living someone else's dream? Am I Cut up in the homogenized rat race program, or am I living my life? That's just what we're moving into. And, you know, I don't really want to spiritualize it or make it make a big deal out of it. It's just, that's what I've been doing. That's how I've been living. And that's what we're moving into where people are going to have to learn to empower themselves to survive. That's what that's about. That can look like a lot of different things, but similarly as part of being a sleeping Phoenix, The reason why it's called sleeping is if you're just busy, being busy, being busy, you're not really empowering yourself. You're just a vacuum of doing. That's when the bird wakes up is when you stop and slow down and start to learn to respond correctly, to live correctly, following your strategy and authority, enter into things correctly, you know, live your authentic life, truly do the things you love that empower you and not scramble around just filling your life up because you can't help it. You know, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be overly busy and can't stop. I can't, I still can't stop. I'm a creator. My son is in the 59. I'm just like, I have to be busy creating, empowering myself and other people. So yeah, but it's just when, when you start to do that, following your strategy and authority and that's when you wake up. It's not a big deal. It's just just what happens. A mutative process.
1: Mutative in terms of what your life story has been and continues to be and what we're seeing out in the world. We don't have to spiritualize it. We can just say, hey, things are in a process of change. That's what's happening. But to your point, if we're just running around like automatons and busy and there's no awareness or there's really no connection, real connection with what we're doing. Maybe it remains sleeping. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. that's just what it is. Mm-hmm.
2: I really like you said that I've been, I've been kind of contemplating that, you know, we, we want to spiritualize things in a way like, Oh, we're, we're moving into the age of the sleeping Phoenix. Like, uh, it gets the, you know, the next 2012, you know, end of time kind of thing. You know, it's, it's fun to think about it that way, but global cycles we're just moving through another global cycle and this is this is the background frequency that we're all going to have to attune to and so does self-empowerment look like for you you know plant your garden get aligned with with the right people that you and your little internal community and whatever it might be you know that's just what the background theme is going to be we don't know really what it's going to look like but but we can you know we know what some of those keynotes of self-empowerment and might look like
1: yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. It's, it's fascinating to hear and then to even consider an experience like that, getting struck by lightning. And it's just been, yeah, it's been nice to speak with you today and to talk to another analyst and learn a little bit more about how you look at things. And I can feel a lot of resonance in the work that you're doing with the way we tend to look at that work. As far as people contacting you, what's the best way for them to find you, Do you have a website that they can go to
2: or. Yeah. Uh, my website is Nova healing arts. N O V uh, A healing arts.com. That's I've kind of just put all the things I do under that site. You can follow the links to the human design stuff there. One thing that I also just been a big part of my practice is, is my music writing and recording music since I was probably 13 years old. You can hear some of my music under under my name under uh, Spotify. If you just want to feel that vibration of mm-hmm. of all these things, you know, I feel like that sleeping phoenix vibration kind of comes through in my a lot of my music or whatever. So you can look up Peter Berv on Spotify, Nova Healing Arts. I have a Facebook Human Design Denver page. I don't do a whole lot with it, but um, maybe I will more if more people jump on there. I moderate some stuff on the Human Design System Facebook page, but yeah, mostly NovahealingArts.com is where you can find me.
1: Cool. Well, this has been fun. I feel like we could probably keep going for another hour, and uh, maybe we'll just get together and do it again. Hopefully, uh, in the near future.
2: Yeah, let's take it take it deeper when the time is right. All right. Well, yeah, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Amy and John. You guys are awesome. Really appreciate the, uh, the platform you guys have created with your Human Design Collective well, thank community. Thank
0: you. be. Yeah, Great to talk with you.
2: Yeah, All right. awesome.
0: Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please review us and share. For more information about us and to connect with others on this experimental journey, please visit us at humandesigncollective.com. You can also learn more by exploring our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast, courtesy of Role Model. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for more upcoming episodes on the same channel.